0: Hello and welcome to our special Financial Advisor Service Awards 2020 podcast. As we celebrate the 30th anniversary of the prestigious Financial Advisor Service Awards, which for the first time we've had to hold virtually instead of at the Natural History Museum, it's right we consider what great service actually looks like, especially during a very difficult year. What does it mean to you and to your clients? It's clear the need for top quality service in financial services hasn't changed in 30 years, just like my byline photograph. But the way in which service provision is delivered has undergone a dramatic metamorphosis. And while we always expect to receive the very best levels of service from every provider, not every provider will be able to meet ours or our clients' needs. And one only needs to look at the financial press to find instances of where service levels have fallen and the impact this has had on trust among all parties in the financial food chain. Technology improvements and tech disasters and pandemic responses have been put to the test over the past few months, especially. How can service levels be maintained to a high standard amid the coronavirus crisis? Have our expectations lessened? Should they? These are all questions advisors considered when filling out the financial advisor service awards voting forms where they ranked the very best in investment, pensions, protection and mortgages. And also turned your attention to our new categories of platforms discretionary fund management and support services provision. Well, to talk with me about what good service has looked like during this tumultuous year and what it should look like in the future. I have a panel of prestigious guests with me today. So with me, Simony Kuriaku, editor of Financial Advisor, is Stuart Wilson. He's corporate marketing director at More to Life and no stranger to the stage when collecting five-star awards at our service awards. We have Verona Kenny, Managing Director of Intermediary for Seven Investment Management, and Jamie Smith, partner at Foster DeNovo. Welcome, panellists. So let's consider our first question. What does great service mean to you? Verona, can I start with you, please? Thank you, Simony. Yuri, that's a
1: really simple question and could have a very simple answer or a very detailed answer. So I'll start with the simple answer. It is about delighting our clients. It's about providing the service and where we need to going above and beyond to make sure that we're meeting their needs and importantly, the needs of their clients as well. You know, Simony, you said that you know this has been such an interesting year for service and I think it really has. Um, made us all look at our service and rethink how we deliver service in every single way under the new working environment that that we have found ourselves in. And I think one of the things that I think has become the most interesting is what really good service looked like last year is completely different to actually what it looks like this year. And who knows what it will look like next
0: year. Hopefully we'll be back to some normality next year. Indeed. Stuart, could I turn to you? Are we going to be back to some normality, or uh, what does great service look like to you this year and next year?
2: Oh, I certainly hope so. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's a really, I reflect everything that uh, Verona just said, actually. Um, the, uh, it's really interesting. Just before lockdown, the first lockdown, lockdown 1.0, uh, we were in London at an event. One of the last industry events, or certainly in the later life lending industry, actually, uh, at a fantastic venue in London, delivering um, a presentation to a wide range of advisors and stakeholders across this industry to 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 showcase the new Morslike brand uh, and also to deliver on uh, uh, to showcase our new manifesto. And part of that manifesto is really about how the, as a lender we we put advisors at the center of everything that we do. And I think that's really what service great service means to me. It's understanding your customers, understanding their pain points. And and showing how you can deliver the right services, the right products, and the right solutions to meet those pain points. It's not all about us, and that's what really was at the heart of our rebrand and manifesto pledge. This isn't about us. Um, The the outcomes, the great outcomes delivered to consumers. Delivered by advisors, and it's and it's them that, that need to be uh, the, the center of uh, of, of, uh, of our focus. So uh, it was great to be able to deliver that just before lockdown. Uh, then a challenge to sort of live up to that, actually walk the walk as well as talk the talk uh, of that manifesto through coronavirus. And uh, we'll come on to talk more about that in, uh, in the forms of time. But yeah, that's uh, for me, that's what great service is sort of living up to the, the challenge and recognizing the challenge of your customers.
0: Mm. Jamie I'll turn to you because obviously uh, as as an advisory service foster will have experienced um, different levels of service from different providers how has the uh, how has the year been to you and what does great service mean to you
3: Yes yeah yeah morning all um yeah I think firstly uh, hats off to all those providers that have maintained a, a good service throughout the pandemic. I think that is a, a great achievement and it could be celebrated. In, in terms of what great service looks like from a third party provider, I tend to look at this through the perspective of my individual clients. I mean, ultimately, the service that's provided to us as advisors um, is a sort of a, a reflection on us. Um, so if we get a, a poor service from a provider that can sometimes, perhaps even undermine confidence in our credibility in the eyes of our individual clients, and, and likewise, if we get a great service, and um, then that can help us to to sort of gain credibility in the eyes of our clients. I think if we're looking more specifically at what great service looks like, um, there's there's several things I've sort of identified as uh, as sort of game changers. I think now. Uh, digital signatures—that's—that's um, that's made a massive difference to our business in terms of implementing business, the things that we recommend to our individual uh, clients, um, telephone access as well, the ability to pick up the phone and talk to somebody about a about an issue or, or about something in particular on on a, on a client's account. Um, but but not just you know, it, 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 there's a difference between speaking to somebody who's well trained as well. They've got perhaps wider knowledge around pensions and investments. And also having clear timescales, um, it's crucial that we can manage expectations for individual clients and and where providers are able to set clear timescales and work to those, again, that's really helpful.
0: Jamie, can I stick with you for the for the moment? Because many of the things you've mentioned there, one would hope should always be like the standard that providers um, work to when it comes to servicing the advisor and obviously the end client. Um, But do you think that where service levels have fallen this year because of the pandemic, do you think clients are perhaps uh, more forgiving? Perhaps they'll uh, say, well, okay, yeah, we didn't expect great service during the pandemic. Or do you think they expected more?
3: Um, I I think that Back in March and April, it was reasonable for for clients to expect that perhaps service wasn't what it would have been previously. I think that's changed. I think that providers can't use that excuse. They've had time to adapt and, and, and should have uh, should have done so. It's it's fair to say that possibly timescales in general are a little bit slower i think it's in terms of you know perhaps we'll starting the process we'll start start finish, implementing a plan implementing a recommendation in general things seem to be a little bit slower um and um I, you know we're still we're still waiting for um providers to catch up a little bit
1: Jamie, can I just say, you're very kind there um, to say sort of back in March and April that um, people understood at that time, if anything, um, that we had you know very much, we just had to over-service clients, um, whether that be advisors or or their clients. And we thought that we need to do that during this time because not only are we worried about you know doing the basic things like picking up the phone and, and if there is any issues with sort of the administration side of things, Actually, what we were finding is when we were talking to advisors, and this is probably more so on say discretionary side and investment management side, more than the platform side. What was everyone's biggest worry? It's what's going on with their portfolios. Um, you know markets are going were going up and down and and people worried about what does this mean to my pension pot. And when you've got people having that worry, more than ever you need to be able to pick the phone up beyond the end of the phone and then also be much more proactive with your communications out. And I think that is one of the things that set a lot of service providers. You know, it's one thing to be reactive. I yeah, wow, well, we managed to pick up the phone, well done us, but actually be proactive and get out the communication that the clients needed to alleviate any fears that they could have with their investments during such a, you know, uncertain time. So I think you would be-
0: very kindly, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, Ver- made a very interesting point there, Stuart. Because obviously, in the uh, discretionary asset management uh, fund management sector and the platforms, there was a lot of questions about, you know, can you tell us about the ten percent portfolio drop? Do I need to be writing letters? Who's going to give me templates? You know, do I get wet signatures? What am I going to do about my ISA transfers? So, that, so there was a lot of uh, work that had to be done very, very quickly. But mm. in your sector, Stuart, there was a lot of um, there were a lot of brokers. Saying that they were finding actually very good service from a lot of the uh, the, the life um, later life and mortgage broking sectors because you'd actually already gotten these things sort of sorted out in past years. Can you talk to me a little bit about how your sector reacted?
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think just to sort of echo the points you just made, I think um, that that initial sort of mantra of well, because of course because of coronavirus, we can't dot dot dot. That wore thin very very quickly I think with advisors yeah you know, I think advisors expected providers lenders to sort of step up and, and sort things out um, I think to a certain degree um uh, we we were very well prepared or elements of our industry were quite well prepared I and mean, certainly from a more- to- life perspective uh, the investment that we made in technology several years ago with a fully online portal stood us in good stead because uh, you know we were completely paperless already signatureless applications uh that that set us in a in a very good place already to deal remotely with um uh, with applications anyway i think where the industry was caught off guard slightly was the the interruption to the other elements of our process so Uh, the the fact that you couldn't do physical valuations of a property anymore. Um, And there didn't seem to be an easy way through that. Remote valuations were not a thing in this industry. Um, But even then, I think what the industry was able to do very quickly was find a solution. Within one week of lockdown, It was on the 1st of April, actually, uh, Morse Life announced that we were launching a remote valuation proposition and that was followed by by many other lenders. So very quickly, we were able to uh, bring in processes that were enabled the the lending, uh, the the process of an application to continue. Uh, The legal process uh, found a way through as well. That was quite a tricky one because it's mandated in law that that, um, a mortgage deed has to be signed in the presence of an independent witness. Uh, but even there, there were there were methods uh, that were just, that were uh, put in place to make sure that that could all be done safely and in a COVID secure way. So I think very very rapidly as an industry, we we either deployed technology that was already there, or very quickly we found a way through to to make sure that you couldn't just it wasn't just about um, making the application itself, but we could value a property do the conveyancing, issue an offer and complete on a loan so you could go end to end from the advice point and more of course more and more advisors were delivering uh, um, advice remotely, uh, 100% remote, really uh, overnight, uh, to uh, actually completing on a loan two or three months uh, down the line.
0: I mean that sort of shows the proactivity of uh, lenders and other providers to sort of get up quickly and, and respond to the pandemic. Um, can I talk to you, Jamie, about how providers have reacted to you during the pandemic? How, how well have they communicated with you and with your clients?
3: Um, so I think in, in terms of how accessible some uh, providers are, um, it's a little bit more difficult getting hold of them on the phone. Um, my, my, that's my understanding, perhaps. That's the challenge of having staff working from home I think there's still uh, a large number of, of providers who haven't reopened their telephone lines. So obviously that can make it pretty difficult getting answers to particular queries. Um, but some are um, some instead um, will happily respond by email. Um, perhaps they 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 didn't do that before. So there's been a slight shift uh, shift there. But I think uh, there's still more work to be done in terms of communications.
0: Absolutely, let's turn to Verona, because I heard lots of good things from advisors about 7IM, 7 Investment Management, during the pandemic and how you were communicating. Can you tell us how you sort of got this engine into into traction over over the pandemic?
1: Uh, Absolutely, Um, you know, when this all happened overnight, basically, we had everybody um, move from being office-based to being home-based. And I'd say there's kind of three different levels of the communication, and I could probably talk from a a platform point of view, a discretionary point of view, and an investment management point of view. From a platform point of view, yes, you know what, we just had to pick the phone up like we always have done, Um, monitor it. We found that we were monitoring even closely the calls that were coming in, what people were asking and what was happening, because what we're actually finding, especially in the first couple of weeks, is that we were having a huge increase in trade volumes, and we were having a lot more money come into the market because some of the firms that we're working with actually were advising clients to you know, max out their ITer allowance and, and do all that. So we had to make sure that we were on top of all that and keeping the engine, the administration engine going. And that's the kind of service that when it works, fantastic. No one notices. When it doesn't work, the wheels fall off. We could not let the wheels fall off, and we, and we definitely didn't. So it's on your sort of platform administration side. On the other side of things, we did a lot of proactive communication with advisory firms, specifically about what was going on about the markets, um, alleviating fears. Uh, And the way that we did that, we changed the mechanism that we did it. We offered with um, a lot of firms that we would do bespoke webinars for them with their clients where their clients could ask our investment management team anything to do with what was going on. And I think that was really, really valued. Um, In a way, it made it easier to talk directly to our CIO, to our senior portfolio managers, to, to all of those people and I think that was a real value add, not just for advisors, but for their clients, that they could hear directly from the decision makers on, on their portfolio. So we did a lot of work around that, um, a lot of sort of uh, you know recorded podcasts, and then a lot of communication out of just the written word where we would offer to advisors that we could write something that could then go into the communication that they were doing to their clients really interesting during that time we did a lot of um, roundtables with advisors to get their feedback. so what else can can we be can we be doing to support you during this during this time and um, what we had found in some cases is that advisory firms have had basically got their clients and put them into three different buckets. let's call them the warriors, the ones that you know were looking at the news 24/ 7 hearing oh my goodness the market's gone down what does that mean to, to, to my portfolio? You know so there'd be a set of communications for, for the warriors to alleviate their fears, invest for the medium to long term, you know, all of those kind of things. Those that had a had a, had a general interest and kind of just need a, a you know a, a calming hand. And those that are thinking, well this is an opportunity, what are we going to do? Should we be, you know, changing everything overnight to make the most of it. And you know, those kind of investors again, you know, keeping the focus and, and Jamie, you probably had some of these, you know, we're still investing for the medium to, to, to long term, and you know, making sure that we're tailoring that message and we we're working really closely with firms to tailor the message, to really hit the spot with their with their clients. Sorry, quite a long-winded answer there, but you know when you're covering off the platform and the investment service and the discretionary service, you've got to be thinking about all those different elements.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, Stuart, you'll agree that communication has been absolutely vital during this time, particularly because we saw, didn't we, between March and sort of the end of May, a lot of mortgage transactions, what was it, 450,000 um, mortgage transactions were just kind of held in limbo, or, uh, or as they call it, the, the sticky pipeline. I mean, how do you Go about communicating with advisors, stroke clients during that time.
2: Well, yeah, it's so a really important point, and I think right from the the, the the first hour, the first day of lockdown, what we decided to do as a lender was, uh, or decided that there was really no such thing as over communicating, and we went out of our way really to make sure that advisors were kept up to date with everything that was happening, even on occasions, and in that first week when we didn't have a remote valuation. Process. you think between the 24th of March and the 1st of April, the equity release market kind of almost ground to a halt really. Um, you know, existing applications were going through, but nobody could really do new business as such, or they were stuck waiting for a valuation process to be sorted. And in that first week, even, when it, even if it was a case of saying, look, the, the news is there is no news, um, we felt that was important that advisors understood Understood what was going on, and then as time went on, and and, um, and processes and solutions were found, we we just made sure that we were hammering home exactly exactly how advisors could get their clients through this um, through this process. Not just with Mortal Life, but looking at the whole process. So we developed guides and information and education to help advisors adapt to this new world. How they could digitally transform their business. How they could operate telephone based advice processes um, some some advisors have never done that before overnight they suddenly had to deliver advice remotely that's not not an easy thing to do actually it's not just a case of picking up the phone and doing your normal advice uh, process over the phone because there are different different uh, different things you need to to concern yourself with in terms of how you deliver that how you spot uh, issues of vulnerability etc. So everything from delivering advice to uh, how you market uh, remotely using digital marketing techniques rather than perhaps going to a seminar or pitching up at an event somewhere, uh, through to how you then uh, reassure customers about the whole process, reassure them about uh, valuations, reassure them about the legal process, reassure them that everything that's going to happen With their equity release loan application is going to be done in a COVID secure way Um, and all of that was part of our communication mix it wasn't just about us it wasn't just about oh we're we're okay we're open for business so you know everything's great it was about how can we help you we had a we had a sort of a mantra really of cash flow counts you know this is absolutely critical that we could help advisors keep the the machinery of their businesses going at a time when as you say other uh, there are perhaps associated lines of business were maybe jamming up mortgage applications were slowing down were getting stuck customers that might have um might, by doing investments or pensions were putting those decisions off or maybe thinking about doing other things um so we, we we were really focused on helping advisors keep their businesses turning keep the the wheels going and make sure that we were very much focused on their pain points and their issues uh, rather than just uh, making it all about us really
0: Jamie, you've uh, heard there from two different providers about their top-class service, and uh, that's no surprise because uh, they're they're both uh, five-star winners, and uh, quite often um, in the uh, Financial Advisor Awards service history. So uh, what do you expect um, going forward? Is the whole sort of financial services industry now at a stage where you expect, yeah, okay, whatever happens over the next six months to a year, We know that we're going to be served well, or do you think that there still is a a huge piece that needs to be fixed?
3: Yeah, I think Stuart mentioned it there um, that this has been a huge opportunity for for not just advisors, but obviously uh, third party providers as well to make changes, to adapt, to digitize their business, to uh, improve efficiencies. And and many have uh, have, have sort of grasped the mantle and and done that. Um, So I do expect. Us to sort of come through this almost in a in a better place.
0: Verona, can I turn to you? Do you think you're you're, you're prepared now to, to face any other future pandemics?
1: Let's hope there's no future pandemics. <laughs> but no, absolutely. I think that you know at this time, um, let's be honest, as horrible as a global pandemic is, there has been some silver linings that have come out of this. You know, we moved to e-signatures basically overnight. I cannot tell you how many years we've been wanting to do that. And then, oh, fantastic e-signatures. And we've done a lot of things that, um, let me just say, maybe in the normal course events would have taken a little bit longer. So there has absolutely been some some silver linings. And let's be honest, there's more to come. You know, we've got all this technology um, and we're using it so much um, in a more engaging way. Uh, I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. And as much as we talk about you know, Zoom and Teams and it's revolutionised things for us, I'm actually looking forward to see. Okay, what's next? You know, how are we going to, um, you know, embrace the technology? And and let's be honest, we all know financial services are a little bit slow on the uptake of some of this technology, um, um, power that we have, and even the power of your phone and, and using your tablet with with clients. I'm looking forward to to that. But at the same time, this is you know, let's be honest. It is a people business because we are talking to clients and to advisors about things that are the you know after family and health, wealth is, you know, absolutely critical and it still needs to be backed up by by real people there.
0: Absolutely, because it's not just someone's money, it's their hopes, their dreams, their retirement, absolutely. their life's their whole lifestyle. Um absolutely. Stuart, can I ask you to pick up on what Verona said there, please?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um what's been fascinating is we go into lockdown. 2.0, uh, which makes it sound far more interesting than it actually is. But what what's really highlighted for me is that um, the industry now is kind of a bit oh well it's business as usual now. We, we we've got the, those those well oiled machines. We were very quickly able to adapt you know, to the changing situation, even though it's slightly different this time because every part of the country is doing something slightly different, which makes it a bit more awkward. But um, but nevertheless, we we're able to to, to plough on. I think what what's really fascinating for me is during the, uh, the Back in May, June time, we did some research with advisors, um, got a fantastic response, almost 600 advisors from across the spectrum of our industry. We asked them a whole range of questions, but two two of the things that kind of stuck out for me really was uh, we asked them about what what lessons they felt the industry would learn. And overwhelmingly, um, advisors said, they felt the key lesson the industry would learn is that we would find a better, more efficient way of delivering communications and service to customers. Um, And one of the other questions we asked uh, was around what sort of practices and the ways in which their own businesses would adapt uh, as a result of the COVID crisis. And again, overwhelmingly what advisors pointed to there, sort of picking up on Verona's point is that actually a much higher level of um, uh, engagement with technology. So whether that's using the phone or Zoom to deliver advice, presentations and recommendations to clients. Um, webinar technology, uh, digital signatures, all of that kind of thing. I think what advisors found, whilst they were quite reticent to begin with, that that could be used, especially in an industry like ours, which is so dominated by face-to-face advice. I think what advisors have found actually this tech works, and not only that, but customers really, really welcome it. Um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think in an industry that like equity release, where your average client is 71 years old, I think as an industry we've probably uh, wrongly assumed that clientele would be anti-tech when in fact it's quite the opposite um and I think that's a really exciting uh, vision of the future that no matter what happens to covid let's for goodness sake let's hope the vaccine does work but whatever happens um Uh, this industry has already found a way to cope and actually those new ways of doing things I think are here to stay I don't think we'll go back to the old ways of doing things I think the future of this industry is more remote advice more remote uh, processes and and, uh, service applications because it speeds up the whole thing um, and the length of time it takes to get from application to completion in, in a mortgage loan is is sometimes a barrier to uh uh, to customer outcomes and customer satisfaction so it speeds up the process it's what customers want advisors are finding it's more effective and efficient in their businesses which is a great thing for the for their own outcomes for their businesses and their cash flow so i i think the um as funny as it seems, um, uh, this coronavirus has probably done us a favor in that respect in terms of accelerating what the journey we were already on as an industry but it's accelerated that to a point where I think now we are, we are ready for anything.
0: So Jamie are you ready for anything and uh, are you also as advisors, are you also sort of um, your clients tech advisors now and your it professionals help, <laughs> helping them through downloads and uh, <laughs> running new new software on their computers.
3: Well, uh, we like to think we're ready we're ready for anything um, certainly we, we, gi- we give it a go um, yeah I mean f- for us we've been using zoom for several years now so it wasn't a completely new thing to us we were pretty used to doing uh, meetings uh, digitally and I think I think that is it is very much different you know not seeing somebody's body language for example um, perhaps when you meet them in person you're able to pick up uh, on certain signs um, so yeah I, I think look it, it, we are still a little bit behind other sectors. Um, if, if you look at, sort of, um, for example, opening a bank account, um, for example, these days, you know, you can uh, you can open one of those within the space of a few clicks. Um, whereas, you know, pensions, investments, mortgages, those types of things, still very lengthy in comparison. So, but but for me, um, you know, the, the, the providers that have invested heavily in technology, those that are more efficient those that seem more cutting edge and up-to-date, those are the providers that I think advisors will be more inclined to work with in the future. And I think hopefully that will, that will motivate those who are being left behind a little bit, perhaps to think about investing in their services, investing in the, re- re- the remote and digital technology to, to get up to speed with things.
0: Very interesting. So can we turn to Stuart and Verona? I'd like to ask each of you in turn, what would be If you had one top tip or one top pledge for 2021 in terms of service deliveries, could I ask you what it is and why? Stuart, I'll start with you.
2: I think um, uh, from from our perspective, again, we we are going to be, we're going to remain um, laser like focused really on the needs of advisors and, and the changing. Uh, adapting challenges that they're going to go through. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves with coronavirus. You know, even if the vaccine works, it will take many months for that to sort of roll out. I, I don't anticipate us getting back to anything approaching normality until probably the second half of next year. I think is probably the earliest we can hope for. Um, so we are going to be continuing to, to need to adapt um, and, and meet challenges that this, this virus throws at us. Um, And and notwithstanding that, I think um, in our market as uh, ever more, uh, as consumers come to this market in ever greater numbers and they're looking for for more and more in terms of the solutions that they need and the flexibility they want with their lending, I think we've got to be ready to adapt to to that. We've got to be ready to, um, to meet the challenge of the regulator around issues like advice suitability and vulnerability. Um, so we are going to be, remain focused on, on what the, the challenges are of advisors. And I think as a provider about something I kind of alluded to earlier, really, it's, it's all too easy to get wrapped up in how all of this affects you as a provider and get very focused on, well, you know, we, we do this, we do that. We're OK. We're open for business. And I think we've just got to be uh, really cognizant of um, the, the, the issues uh, and the challenges that our advisor community will continue to face. Uh, for the next six to 12 months um, as we move through and, uh, I certainly hope, out of the other side of, uh, of this uh, pandemic crisis.
0: Verona, over to you.
1: Okay, where we really want to be, and this is where we strive to be, is not just a provider to advisors and their clients. We want to be seen as the strongest partner and an extension of the advisor service to their clients whether that's us getting the admin absolutely right from a platform point of view so that there's no administration headaches, whether that's us helping provide commentary or insight or intel um, to advisors so that they can provide that to their clients on the investment side of things. We wanna be seen as that that strong partner. How we would deliver that, we will continue to evolve that, use the technology where appropriate and where efficient, Uh, but actually we wanna make sure That your advisors and clients have access to you know the great investment team that we that we've got Um, and we just want to be closer to the advisors and the
0: clients so that we're
1: helping them both reach their goals
0: excellent thank you very much Uh, jamie over to you what's your uh what's your pledge as an advisor to your clients and perhaps your wish for providers
3: well, we pledge to always put our clients at the heart of everything that we do, and um, I would encourage providers to do the same. Um, you know, as Stuart mentioned about putting advisors at the heart of their proposition. I think putting the individual client at the heart of the proposition is is equally as important. Um, and of course, as mentioned, the 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 products, the platforms the things that we recommend to clients are are really just a means of facilitating transactions to implement plans to help clients achieve certain objectives. And those things that we use, they are a reflection on us as advisors, and we want want them to reflect positively on us. So anything that providers can do to help with that, if it's in terms of providing exceptional service, technology, timescales, all of those things, Just just make it, um, I think we'd be more inclined as advisors, more confident to recommend them to our individual clients.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, that that honesty, uh, um, Jamie. Um, I'm afraid, uh, I'd love to talk about this a lot longer, but I've had a little whisper from the producers that we're actually running out of time, which is a shame because there is so much more we could consider and we haven't even touched on Brexit. Perhaps we should just leave that for another time. Um, sadly, we do have to wrap it up, so it behoves me now to thank our panel, Stuart, Verona, and Jamie, for a really thoughtful and considered discussion today, and uh, I'd like to thank More to Life for sponsoring this podcast, and to thank you for listening to the FT Advisor podcast on what great service looks like, or should look like. To find out more about the Financial Advisor Service Awards, visit our website, ftadvisor.com, and pick up the latest edition of Financial Advisor to read the names of all our brilliant five-star winners. Until next time, I wish you and all of your families good health.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.